0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. I'll be reading from the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 9. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man had been raised from the dead. Let us pray. God, we just thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, because we know that you're going to speak to us this morning through its proclamation we just ask, the oh Lord, that you will give me your thoughts to be my own as I share this word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I have to tell you, I love mountaintop experiences, and I'm not just talking about the spiritual kind. I'm talking about real mountaintop, like being on top of the mountain. How many of you have been on top of stone mountain and just looked out? Several of you have done that. I mean... If you have not done that and you're here in Atlanta, you need to put it on your calendar to do at some point. Getting up on that mountain and just looking out over God's creation is an awe-inspiring moment. And it also humbles you because you begin to realize how little you are in the scope of the grandness of God's creation. I love that mountaintop experience, the cool air the looking out and being able to see as far as the eye goes on a clear day and being close to God. For you see, whenever we're on top of the mountain, we always feel like we can almost reach out and grab, grab a hold of God. We feel so close to the heavens. When I was growing up, I used to go rock climbing and rappelling at camp every summer in North Carolina. There's a camp called Camp Decoa in Hendersonville. And I had the experience of every summer for a week. I would go to Camp Decoa, and we would go on these really long hikes. That part I wasn't so much of a fan of because it was like five-mile hikes. But that was what was required for you to get to the top of these great, great mountains where there would be this cliff just going straight down. And you would stand on top of that cliff, strapped on into you, all your gear, and then you literally would go down the side of the mountain, bouncing off the rock. And let me tell you, if you didn't know Jesus, you did then. Because you prayed the whole way down that everything would work correctly. But it was a mountaintop experience. It marked my summers. I looked forward every year to going up to the mountain to witnessing the grandeur of God's creation and to experience that special time in the summer. I'm sure that the disciples had many stories of all their mountaintop experiences with Jesus. You have to remember Jesus was always on the move. And many times there were so many crowds that the only place that he got away from the crowds was by going up in a high mountain in a secluded area to pray. And so the disciples had experienced healings on the mountains. They had experienced the Sermon on the Mount. They had experienced so many things in mountains that reminded them of the kingdom of God. And so mountains held a special place. And they probably knew what it meant for Jesus to say, we're going up to the mountain, get ready to hike, because we're going all the way to the top. Jesus invites three of his disciples to come with him this time. Peter, James, and John. And if you didn't know, other than Andrew, these are the three other disciples that Jesus called first. These were the ones that had spent the most time with Jesus. If there is such a thing as an inner circle, these were the inner circle for Jesus. These were the guys that were closest to him. And he says, come, we're going up the mountain. And I can imagine that they began to wonder what Jesus would lead them to. As when you tell your kids you're going out and don't tell them where you're going. And they begin to ask questions. Where are we going? What are we going to do? And what have you responded as a parent? You'll find out when we get there. I have a feeling that Jesus said, we're going up to the mountain. Come on, follow me. And he didn't give a lot of details. He just said, come. There's something great I want to show you. There's something great we want to do. Come with me. I always wonder what the other nine disciples thought when they got left behind. But Jesus took those three and he goes up the mountain. And you see, big things always happened on top of the mountains. As Israelites and as Jews, they knew that it was on a mountain that God met Moses and gave him the law. They could remember that Moses himself took Three other people with him, right? Going up the mountain and then left them halfway and continued up to meet God. In what? In a cloud burning with fire. God had shown up at the mountain time and time again for the Israelites. So when Jesus says, let's go to the mountain, it was a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing. You know, when we hear something like, let's go to church, it should be a good thing. We're going to go and be with the people of God and meet God where God is going to be with us in a special way. So the disciples are going up to the mountain remembering all of the things that God has done. In case you wonder, Jesus had healed people on the mountain. He had taught in the mountain. He had prayed in the mountain. And in the mountain, the disciples had seen the power of God already displayed in Jesus. So it wasn't like they'd never seen it before. But this was a new day. The scripture says that as they were walking up, all of a sudden, Jesus was transfigured before their eyes. And I always say that he glowed like a Teletubby. You know, he just began to glow, and his whole demeanor changed everything. His clothes became dazzling white, and you have to imagine the brightness of the sun because we are told that it was as bright as the sun, and have you ever tried to look straight at the sun? You can't do it for very long, right? The brightness is so strong, eventually you just have to cover your eyes. And I can just imagine Jesus being transfigured in front of them, and they going like, what is going on here? And his clothes were dazzling white. Have you ever been hiking and gone with white clothes? You, don't, you can't do it. I mean, your clothes are usually filthy and dirty and, and, and covered in dust or mud if it's been raining. But Jesus was dazzling white. You almost think that a Thai commercial person is going to come out, you know. Because he was all white. And it was clear that there was something going on here. Light in scripture has been a symbol of God throughout. Of God's truth. Of God's presence. Of God's power. And here we get the white of purity that also represented the inner holiness of Jesus who was without blame, without fault, without sin. You know, I think that they had known that Jesus was special before this point. But it was this experience that confirmed what Peter had declared just one chapter earlier when he had been asked who Jesus was. And do you know what he said? You are the Messiah, the Son of God. He had recognized them, but now he saw it for himself. He saw the dazzling white. He saw the inner glory of Jesus displayed on the outside. And I'm sure that they had no idea what they were going to do with this. Suddenly, because there was no time to react, there appeared Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Moses representing the law, the Torah, and Elijah representing the prophets of old. Two of the most important figures of all Judaism appear before them talking to Jesus. Have you ever met somebody famous? If you've met one of your idols or somebody who was really famous, you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You're dumbfounded. This must have been one of those moments where the disciples were clearly shocked to the point that they didn't even know how to react. How do you react to seeing Moses and Elijah? But Peter, he just, he can't help himself. He always has to blurt something out. He always has to say something. So the scripture says that eventually he blurted out, Lord, it is good for us to be here. It is a good thing that we're here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I'll build three tents right here, right now. There are times when we just want to capture the moment and stay in the moment, and building a tent is an attempt at capturing this moment and keeping it going. You know, today we would pull out a phone and take a selfie with Moses, Jesus, and Elijah. Right? We would want to capture it. We would want to be able to show other people that it really happened. We would want to stay in the moment. When you're on the mountaintop, you don't want to come down. You want to stay up there. It's so great to be up on the mountaintop with Jesus. And at that moment, Peter wanted to build dwellings, tents, because he didn't want this moment to end. Some have said that maybe Peter needed something to do because he couldn't explain what he was seeing. But he knew tents. He knew how to build a tent. And he said, well, I'll just do something that I understand because this I just don't understand completely. I'm gonna build some tents. Sometimes when we're faced with the extraordinary that God shows us, we look to the familiar and to that which we can explain to try to make sense of that which we can't explain. You know, it's a lot easier for me to do something that I can check off a box as I did it than to try to explain this incredible vision of the glory of God that is happening Right before my eyes. But the experience was so shocking that Peter doesn't do what he normally does, which is simply inform Jesus that he's building tents. He says, If you wish, if you want me to. But he never gets to build a single tent because the scripture says that even while he was still speaking, A cloud, a bright cloud overshadows the whole area of the mountain. And from that cloud, a voice says, This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Have you ever been on top of a mountain when all of a sudden fog comes over it? Then you know that experience. It's a little bit scary because you can't see past maybe your hand out here. You can no longer see the horizon. You can no longer see stuff pretty far away from you. If there's another person and they're far enough, you can't see them. And you can imagine that when this happened and this cloud comes over the mountain, the immediate reaction of the disciples was fear. What is going on? And then you hear the voice of God I mean, they dropped to the ground. I think I would have been laying flat because I would have felt so unworthy of being on that mountain. That's the kind of experience that they were having right then. If there was any doubt of who Jesus was, this should have cleared things up. If there was any doubt that he was truly the son of God and that God had sent him and that God was pleased with him and that he was the one that we needed to pay attention to, this should have cleared it up. God can't be more direct. But how many times does God tell us to listen to his son and we don't? How many times does God tell us, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased? Pleased. And we look for answers elsewhere. The command is clear. Don't worry about building tents. Don't worry even about Moses and Elijah right now. Listen to Jesus. He is the one you need to be paying attention to. But you know, fear is such a paralyzing thing. When we become afraid, we, we can't even look up. We become paralyzed and we can't move. And we're even afraid of our own shadow. And whenever God showed up in such a miraculous way as this, the reaction of people was usually fear because the immediate question was, what does God want from me? And is it good news or bad news? When the shepherds were told that Jesus was coming, they were afraid when they saw the angels. When Mary heard that she was going to be the mother of Jesus from the angel, the first words were, do not be afraid. It's constant in Scripture, this reminder that we don't need to fear when God is with us. Yet they were overcome with fear. And then in one of the most touching moments of this scripture, we are told that Jesus came to them, touched them, and told them, get up and do not be afraid. When they looked up, there was nobody but Jesus. The touch of Jesus brings comfort It brings healing. In Scripture and in the passages to follow, we'll find that with a touch, he would command demons to leave. With a touch, he would heal those who are blind or sick. With a touch, he would ease fears and concerns. And Jesus showed his disciples his great love in reaching out in their moment of worst fear and letting them know that it was okay to get up. Because he was still with them. And knowing that Jesus is with us needs to help us not be afraid. It is good to be here with you. Those were Peter's words. Is it good for you to be here today? Amen. Because the presence of God is here. Because we are here to worship the King of Kings. It should be good to be here. And every time we come to church, we should look at it as a mountaintop experience. It should be a coming to Jesus meeting every single time. Because God is inviting us to come up the mountain. And you know, I think we would all be perfect Christians if we could just lay a few tents and stay here the whole time. But what's the problem? Eventually, we got to go back out into the world, don't we? Eventually, we all have to come down the mountain. Eventually, we all have to face the daily grind. Eventually, we have to deal with the everyday And so that is the point in which we need to hear the Jesus words get up, do not be afraid. Why? Because I don't send you down the mountain by yourself, I go with you. I go with you, you don't go alone. The scripture says he took the disciples and they began to make their way down the mountain. And he told them, you know what, guys? Don't tell anybody about this until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And I can imagine the disciples going, what? You mean I can't tell anybody about this incredible experience at the mountaintop? He's like, not until I come back. You see, there was so much ministry yet to be done. And Jesus was trying to tell them, it's not time yet after I return from the dead. You'll be able to tell people about this vision. You'll be able to tell them about seeing me in that glorified state. You'll be able to tell them about the words that you heard from my Father, and it will be confirmation to them that I truly am the Son of God. But for right now, just keep it quiet. And you know that they didn't even make it all the way down the mountain before they went right back into the grind of ministry. They were met with a man who was possessed by a demon and they had to go right back to work. And I have a feeling that for you, it's going to be the same way. Tomorrow morning, you'll have to go right back to work or right back to school. You'll have to go back to the grind of everyday life. And the only question is, will you go into it in fear or in the confidence of knowing that Jesus goes with you? Will you go into it knowing that he is going to be there to allay your fears, to heal your diseases, to give you strength? It's such a comfort to know that whenever we are afraid, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches us and heals us and tells us, get up, do not be afraid, I am with you. When Jesus was going to ascend to heaven, do you remember the last words to his disciples? I am with you. Until the end of the age, I am gonna be with you. I'm never gonna leave you. He told them, I'm gonna send a counselor. You have the presence of God through the Holy Spirit in your everyday grind to not be afraid. Because Jesus said he would never leave or forsake us. So get up and don't be afraid. The temptation is for us to want to build tents and stay in the mountaintop. To say, you know what, I'm just going to stay up here. You all keep going down there. But it is in the valley that Jesus invites us to go back to those who haven't seen him yet. Who haven't met him, who haven't known him as their healer and their savior and their friend. And so Jesus tells us to get up to not be afraid to come down the mountain because there are still people that need to know of his great love. Listen to him and you will find the way, the truth, and the life. And you'll be able to share that with others who don't know it yet. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this word. I thank you, O Lord, for the mountaintop experiences that you give us, for the times in which we can come and be refreshed in your presence. We can witness your glory. We can feel your touch. But I also thank you, O Lord, that you send us down into the valley and you come with us as we go to share your good news with those that don't have it yet. We ask, O Lord, that you will help us as we go into the grind of our week, as we go into the everyday, regular things that we need to face, that you will help us to know that we are not alone, that you are with us, and that we don't need to be afraid. Thank you, Jesus, for going with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.